You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jujitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith, and today's guest is a black belt who a black belt who trains at Semper Fortis Jiu-Jitsu, located in San, San Antonio, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Gallison. What's going on, guys? What's going on, sir? How are you? Oh man, you know me, blessed and highly favored, brother. Just uh, yes, sir. You know. Gotcha. Well, first and foremost, man, I do appreciate you taking out the time to uh, come on the show and uh, bless us with your jujitsu uh, knowledge. Oh, thanks. For sure. Thanks for having me. Without further ado, man, let's get the ball rolling. If you want to, you know, formally introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear <coughs> about your jujitsu journey. All right. So my my name's Chris. I actually go by the name Koa. Um, I'm a black belt underneath Luis Pajares. I train under. I uh, trained under uh, Saad Al-Aziz at Semper Fortis Jiu-Jitsu in San Antonio. Um, I am a Weed Five Foundation ambassador. I am a veteran uh, advocate, um, single dad. Um, and between, you know, Jiu-Jitsu and, um, and my son, this is pretty much just my life, man. This is all I do. Ain't nothing wrong with that, right? I hear that. All right, so how'd you get how'd you get started? How'd you how'd you find jujitsu? Or how did they find well, you rather? <laughs> it beats not out of me the first time I felt it. Um of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I actually got started with the Army's combatives program. Okay. Um, and you know, it's it at the lower levels, it's very grappling based. Um and when you know I started I, with that I wanna say two thousand six. You know, twenty-six year old, you know, military guy who knows a little bit of grappling, a little bit of striking, and you know, is physically fit. You know, you think you got a shot at going into the UFC. Um, so I really thought that all, I needed, right? I really thought that all I needed was just my army combatives um, and some CrossFit, and I would make it. So I didn't mm-hmm. train anything else for about three years. Um, and then it was during my third tour to Iraq. Yeah, so it was my third tour in Iraq. Um, I was at the, the gym on post, and they had some mats down, and I was training with some of my soldiers. And this young, this young, young kid walks up, and he's, you know, I was five eight, hundred eighty five pounds. Um, and this kid was like one hundred forty pounds, and you know, I'm mm-hmm. rolling with my soldiers, and he's like, "Hey, can I get a roll in?" I'm like, yeah. And he smoked me. He smoked me bad. <laughs> like I was like I had to step off the mat to throw up. Oh wow. Um, and you know, that's like how bad it was. Like I just couldn't do anything with him. And afterwards I was talking with him. He's like, Yeah, no, I don't train combatives. He's like, I train jujitsu. Um, and I forget what school he said he's from, but at that time I was like, Man, like What's this jujitsu stuff? And um, you know, I, I oh, I knew what it was, but you know, really, never been exposed to it. Um, so fast forward, like maybe like a month later, I was at the uh, the post exchange there in Iraq, and I saw this magazine. You know, it's martial arts magazine, and um, I've been in martial arts since I was a kid. I I grew up doing Silum Fu Ga Quen, which is a, a type of kung fu. So I did that underneath okay. 
my dad for years. Um, and, you know, I saw the Black Belt magazine. And I picked it up and I was like, cool, you know, something to read while, you know, on my downtime. And I saw this advertisement for the Gracie Combatives Program. So I was like, oh, I can learn, you know, I can learn Gracie Jiu-Jitsu while I'm here. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years, I'll, I'll get to, you know, I'll get to, uh, get to the UFC. Anyways, mm-hmm. so, you know, bought the DVD set, practiced all my soldiers, beat the snot out of them for, for a while. Um, went back, you know, left Iraq, went back home to Alaska, and there was no schools there um, for me to really train at. I really didn't have any good options. So that was about 2000, end of 2009. So I really didn't start again until 2011 when I got stationed in Washington, D.C. And I was super lucky to be, you know, in the D.C. area. D.C.'s got so many great schools within an hour drive. Um, And I lived in Sterling, Virginia, which is probably about 45 minutes outside of town. And it just so happens that I was, what, 2.3 miles away from uh, Pedro Sauer's headquarters there in Sterling, Virginia. So that's really where I I got started. I spent – you know, three years there, you know, training underneath him. And then there's a thing that happens in the military where every three years we get picked up and move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I did my first three years there. And then I, uh, I left active duty, went, you know, moved to Texas um, to join the National Guard there. And I started training um, underneath just different schools, not really staying consistent, just kind of, you know, checking in and out here or there. Um, and I actually ended up getting my purple belt underneath uh, Alessandri. I forget his last name now, but and he, he'll beat me up for later for it. But uh, it's a Gracie Baja school. So I got my okay. purple belt. And that was in 2018. Nope, 2000, 2017. Um about in August 2017, I actually uh, rejoined active duty service and moved to San Antonio, which is like an hour away. Um, and I really didn't con- couldn't train consistently just because of my, my work schedule as a recruiter. Um, mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was I just kind of, you know, flitted here or there. Sorry, I'm trying to get my, my glass glare off there, but not going to work apparently. Um, so I ended up finding another Pedro Sauer affiliate here in San Antonio. So I, you know, trained underneath them for about, you know, two years when I got my brown belt. Around, what, 2020, we had COVID. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that was rough. And the school that I was at, actually, um, they actually ended up closing their doors because they just Mm -hmm. couldn't keep the business so I was like, dang, like, who am I going to train her now? Like, I got to f- go, hi- go find a whole other school. And uh, a barbecue restaurant chain out here called Bill Miller's. And my son was like, one day, he's like, Dad, I want I want breakfast tacos from Bill's Bread. So I said, yeah, sure, not a problem, boy. So we load up, we go to Bill Miller's. And while we're sitting in line, he goes, Dad, look, Jesus. I said, wow, wow, there's a school that's like five minutes from my house. I never knew this. 
So oh, Chris, I, lo I lost you. Hello. Um, I ended up calling that day. Hello. Yeah, it kind of it kind of froze up a little bit. Oh. All right, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I I live in a in a I live in a depression, so sometimes the signal goes a little wonky. My apologies. <laughs> It's okay. Um, but yeah, so I called. Yeah. So I called Semper Fortis that day. I talked with uh, Sway, and she's like, yeah, just come on in. Um, so I, you know, dusted off my gi and, you know, stretched out my rash guard a little bit and, you know, <laughs> you know, showed up, um, you know, new brown belt in the gym and really got, you know, the screws, you know, put to me by, you know, some of the, the some of the competitors there, which is, which was good. Um, mm -hmm. And I've just been there since I want to say, since actually, actually my fortieth birthday. So, you know, two years going on three years now. I've been there almost three years. So okay. Finally, that was my... good to see that you finally had found a home. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, it's my second family. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, that same thing with my gym, man. We are we are a huge family. I speak and talk to these guys every every single day. So I definitely understand that. So um combative training. Uh I guess if you can like break that down, what was the difference between like you learning combative training uh until you like switched over to jujitsu? Um so the Army's combatives training, um, like when I joined the Army back in 1998, it was completely different, like absolutely ridiculous. Um, but how it is now, it is loosely built off of, you know, wrestling, jujitsu, boxing, Krav Maga. It's, you know, it's kind of like a mixed martial art, um, mm -hmm. which is good because you learn a little bit of everything. But the problem is, is that what the program is – is you don't specialize in anything. You don't get really good at anything. Um, there's four levels. I think there's three levels now. But when I started, there was four levels. Level one was almost consistently all grappling. Level two was uh, striking. Level three, they started introducing more weapon uh, weapons. Um, and then level four was like the tactical aspect of it. Um, and it's really good because, you know, the level one for you to become level one certified, it's a 40 hour course. It's one week, right? Mm -hmm. That's enough for you to learn how to get your tail whipped in the bar. Um, you know, one week of training. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it's up to the individual army unit to implement training, to make sure that their soldiers are proficient in that training. And some units are really great about it. And some units are like, ah, mm, we're a hospital. We're never going to be using our combatives, so they don't implement that training. But the, you know, like any other thing, anything else, the more you train it, the better you get. Um, and right. the difference between uh, combatives and jujitsu is really the the end goal. Um, mm -hmm. In jujitsu, I will play with you on the ground indefinitely. Like I will just roll on the ground. Like I don't care, spinny, flippy, upside down, rolly. You know, if we stand up, I'm going to throw you, right? The whole goal of the Army's combatives program is to get back to your primary, secondary, or your tertiary weapon. 
And if you can't do either one of those, it's to protect yourself long enough for your battle buddy to come in and sucker kick them in the head. <laughs> Enzo Gracie style, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. So I guess for you, it wasn't that, I guess, that big of a transition from, like, you know, actively studying jujitsu on top of what you already knew? Yeah, no. Um, you know, like, like I said, I started off, you know, I was born into martial arts. My dad is a was an instructor for many years. Um, so, you know, that was already built in there. And then by the time I got to the Army's Combatives Program, <clears throat> you know, we as young, you know, little boys, young men, we grow up, you know, wrestling and tussling all the time. Um, oh, yeah. so, you know, my brother wrestled in high school. Um, I wrestled in middle school, uh, tried out for wrestling, but didn't like working that hard. Um, so I quit that. <laughs> let's, let's be real, man. Gr wrestlers be out there grinding, grinding each other out, man. Um, man, I'm telling you. But, you know, you know, grew, grew up wrestling. You know, I got an older brother, so you know, always had to fight him off. And then, you know, I got two younger brothers, so I was always, you know, tussling them up. Um, so, right. you know, grappling's just, you know, something that came very natural for me. So. Yeah, it's like in our in our DNA as boys to, you know, fight and wrestle. Because I I don't have any, you know, brothers, but, you know, I do have cousins I was close with that we, you know, wrestled every every chance we got. So definitely understand that, man. Yeah, got to establish yeah, that pecking order. Got to. Got to. <laughs> now, um... So do your so your do your son train too, or is he kind of like shying away from it? Or um, so my son trains. He doesn't live with me. Um, he lives with okay. his mom, so I can't I can't make him train. Um, and he did train for a while underneath my friend in Austin, um, but just because of her work schedule, um, you know, she had to we had to stop her, his membership. Um, but when he's down here with me on the weekends. You know, we go and we train together. Um, I don't put him in the kids' class because he's 12 and he's already getting really big. Plus, he gets into the kids' class and he just goofs off. Um, mm -hmm. And in, you know, the adult class with me, at least I can keep him focused. Um, right. I try not to make it mandatory. I try to keep it fun and light with him. Um, like, I think there's probably about a, a month of weekends where we didn't train at all. I was just like, hey, bud, let's let's go fishing. Let's, you know, just hang out, play video games. Let's, you know, just keep it light. I don't want him to, you know, I don't want to make him hate it. And I don't want to be one of those parents who are trying to push my dream on him. I want him to come into it naturally. Yeah. Enjoy it. yeah. And I, I'm like that too. Like my daughter, she trains, she just got her um, fourth stripe on her white belt yesterday. So, you know, she's, she's so gung-ho about it. And I'm like, I'm trying not to get overzealous about it and be like, you know, because she's always talking about like, you know, she want to go to training. She can't wait to go to training. And then every time I compete, she gets mad because she's not competing. I'm like, I don't think we're there yet. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see in a couple, you know, in a year or two and see how she, you know, how she thinks about the idea of our training. And then if, if she's still even into it like that, we'll jump over to competing. But yeah, definitely take your time with that because there's, you know, my son, uh, I think he was probably like his third stripe on his white belt when I let him compete. And he's all mm -hmm. about, you know, training hard and he wants to compete. And he went out there and he got tussed up. He got tussled up his first match and lost. 
he got came off the mat crying and you know i just you know scoop him up it's okay bud you know we can't win them all and after that he kind of just kind of like shied away from training um so like you know some kids are just not going to be competitive and i understand right. that you know he's my son's so laid back like he just look at you like you're crazy if you yell at him all right whatever um and then some kids you know they they enjoy that stress my son does not enjoy that like it's just not what he does yeah i think my daughter is like naturally ready for that because she said but i'm like well right now because we don't have too many kids that um in our class that wants to compete so it's like it's kind of hard to try to structure a class that will fit both needs so i think once we get some more kids in we'll you know we'll switch it up a little bit as well right now we're just gonna you know keep keep grinding and keep focusing on like the basics and whatnot yeah, that's understandable. So, uh, so what about you? You compete? Uh, do you compete or compete it? <laughs> um, I try to compete. You know. So when I first started, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I was in Alaska, and there wasn't no gyms. Um, so I, you know, spent almost two years just really doing the you know Gracie Combative stuff, and then by the time I got to Virginia. In 2011, and started underneath uh, underneath Pedro. At the time, there wasn't any. You know, 2011, the IBJJF really wasn't a big thing. You know, competition jujitsu mm-hmm. jiu- hadn't really exploded yet, like we see now. Right. Um, so you'd get like one or two tournaments a year, and it was like, you know, compete once or twice, depending on depending on work schedule and stuff. But it was another nothing that I really got into until. You know, until I, until I got to Brown Belt. And at Brown Belt, you know, I really started competing. I, you know, my first, so when, by, when I got to Semper Fortis in July 2020, that entire first year, I would say I competed four or five times. Like I was literally just, you know, just firing off, you know, competitions. Um, and then I laid off because I started, you know, like I said, I'm a veteran. And my body has some injuries that, you know, you know, you know, been been injured a few times. And mm-hmm. it, I just found that like constantly keeping myself in competition prep mode was actually aggravating my injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so like right now, I'm just coming off a hiatus for my shoulders. My shoulders have been bothering me for years. Um, and about six months ago, I ended up with a grade two separation in my AC joint, which took me off the mats for a bit. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, healed from that. And I was like, all right, back to training. First class I'm going back to judo. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I went back and, um, you know, went back to training and, you know, immediately right back to my hard-headed self. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I was good for a few months. And then it was like, I don't even know what I was doing. I think I was like pushing on a door at like a convenience store and I pushed the wrong side and I reseparated it again. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> so, Oh my goodness, man. So and the, the crazy thing is, is like, 
like after I came back off of my 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 shoulder injury, mm-hmm. um, I was feeling good. I wasn't as conditioned as well as I as I you know as I as I would have liked to have been. But mm-hmm. I lit, like I competed my first black belt match, and I was like, all right, like there's one person in my bracket. Like I don't have anything to worry about. Like I if right. I go out there and lose, it's fine, right? Mm-hmm. And then I uh, I looked at who it was. And it was actually somebody I trained with at Gracie Baja, and I've known him since like 2016. So I was like, all right, I know if I tell him ahead of time that I'm injured, he's not going to yank my arm across the room. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, hit him up. Was like, hey, Damon, what's up, man? Hey, we're in bracket together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, just so you know, I'm injured. You know, if you catch my left arm, I'm going to tap right away. He's like, perfect. That's all I needed to know. Um, <laughs> Why would you tell him? <laughs> Classic misdirection. <laughs> he did not submit me with an Americana Kimura or armbar. So I've, I, you know, as much as I've competed, I've never had my picture taken and posted on on the interwebs of me competing, doing anything cool. Like it would have been really cool if they got the picture of me throwing, you know, Damon with uh, Saisir Kamigoshi, you know, which mm-hmm. slung him across the mat. Um, but no, the picture they got of me was him full mount cross collar choking me. So it's the only competition picture I ever had. Oh, the tragedy, man. The tragedy. It is what it is, man. I can't do nothing about it. Right. Yeah. That's like, um, I, I did my first competition, uh, as a purple belt and I did two more as a brown and, <clears throat> You know, the first time, you know, I competed, I told this story before, but the first time I competed, the guy that I was going against was like 6'2", like two-something, just solid muscle. And it was over in an instant. And I was like, is this is what, (laughs) this is what all this training boils down to? Like training hard just to get, you know, tapped in like two seconds. But like you said, man, it, it, it comes with the territory, man. It comes with the territory. It does, man. So... In that match, um, like I said, I I know da- I'd known Damon since 2016, and I used to do this stupid little thing as a as a purple belt, where if I was starting off in sparring, I would grab my lapel and force it out and dare them to grab it. Um, and I did that during the match, and he looked at me like and just rolled his eyes like in the middle of the match, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, I'm still a goofball." Um, but the crazy thing about it was, was like Damon used to compete at like 240, you know, 250. And we were competing at like 215. So he had cut down mm-hmm. a lot from last year. So when I threw him, we scrambled and up and we ended up in turtle. And I had front headlock position and he just stood up on me and I was like, okay. Right. So, gotta love it. Yeah. But at the black belt competition level, that's where you realize the where the term there's levels to this come you know comes into play at. Um, mm-hmm. Damon's been a black belt for about four or five years. He's been competing, traveling across the country, you know, at the black belt level. Um, and like I really felt like I couldn't do anything against him. Um, I know at brown belt, I'm not saying there's not you know really good brown, lower you know lower belts or some you know stuff like that, but but at black belt. You know, you could walk into a tournament and be like, all right, I'm a you know six month white belt, 
And then you look across the bat, you know, there's this fifth degree black belt, you know, that, you know, you're going to end up going against. So you're like, man, like, yeah. (laughs) One of the things I like about that is like, you know, you look at my age, my weight class, you know, currently, you know, I'm looking at, you know, legends of the sport, people who, you know, I have the potential to be competing against legends of the sport. Um, mm-hmm. People that I looked up to when I started, you know, Rafael mm-hmm. Lovato's, you know, all those guys who are still active in competition. So it's like that's the, that's the equivalent of being able to play a pickup game with Jordan for me, right? Yeah. Whereas you know, yeah. as a boxer, you're probably never going to step in the ring with Mayweather, right? It would be nice, you know, for the for the check, but yeah. <laughs> Highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll step in there with Tyson if you give me give me enough money. Hey man, what? I would take a dive. I would, <laughs> man, what? Right I, here on the chin. Did you, you see know, that? Once I wake up, have my check ready. Yeah. Did you see that Henry Cejudo uh, video clip where his, you know, Henry, Henry Cejudo was hitting the pads and Tyson was watching him, and then the pad holder Tyson was like, nah. This is how you yeah, do it. Yeah, he started sweating. <laughs> he was sweating. And he started pulling back. <laughs> That'd be me and Tyson. Dude, I'm just gonna dude. run around and let you hit me one good time and I'm gonna fall. That's it. As soon as Tyson was like, let me show you, you saw the 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 like the life just drains from this guy's face from fear. But that's crazy, man. Him, I mean, it's amazing. Like him at his age, still like can generate so much power. Well, and yeah. he looks like he can just still give you another twelve round fight. Yeah. Well, you know, you think Tyson was involved in that since he was a kid, right? And that was really yeah. just his entire focus. And <clears throat> you know, when we look at the kids in jujitsu now, right? And we got kid, we got two teams, um, in at our school, Cash Julius. Um, they're brothers, you know, they're 17, 18, 18, 16, excuse me, Cash hasn't turned 17 yet, but they've been in jujitsu for about four years. And as they're starting to come into their little man body, you know, they're starting to find some strength. They've got good technique. They've been training for a while. Like you got to fight them like grown men. Um, yeah. You know, they compete in judo and jujitsu. Um, and, you know, as they continue to grow in the sport, like they're going to get to a point where, you know, they're going to be Tyson's age, and people are going to be like, oh, that's, you know, if they stick with it, they're going to be like, oh, that's, you know, Julius, so that's cash. Like, mm-hmm. you should roll with him. Like, he's going to kill you, but, you know, go roll with him. It'll be worth it. So Yeah, those and, and those are the type that be dangerous because you have to think of, like, you know, them, for example, the Rotolo brothers, you know, you know the Diaz brothers, like these guys who train, you know, train this sport, but they can go home and have a high competitive, you know, training partner to work outside the gym. Yeah, so, yeah, you gonna be nasty, man. <laughs> no, those two, if they stick with it, like, like Cash is much better at jujitsu than Julius, but Julius is much better at judo. Um, Cash is also like the hardest working kid that I possibly could ever see. Like, he's in high school mm-hmm. wrestling, he's in band, he's in tennis, um, he's wrestling. Like, if there's something for Cash to do, he'll do it, and then he'll leave school after all of his practices jog the three miles to the gym and come there and beat the start out of us. Ah, to so, be young. I know, right? Uh, to be able to run again. These knees don't do that. <laughs> right, to, to run, to be able to run. 
Yeah, man. For sure. But um, so so I guess you know, with you being a black belt, like, how was it for you, like, seeing the evolution of like jujitsu from where you started to like now? Man, so <clears throat> remember, I, I said, you know, I told you, I started in two thousand nine. I was really just mm -hmm. based off of like the Grady Grayson Combatter systems, and then you know, my real first school was Pedro Sauer. So that's you know, you know, Master Sauer is old school Gracie Jujitsu. You know, self defense, um, self defense based. You know, still beautiful jujitsu. And then you know, about a year and a half, two years later, we start seeing the Barambolo, right? And then we start, you know, we start moving into the more sportive aspects, um, a lot more towards the sportive side of the house. You know, at the mm -hmm. wider proliferation level. Um, but for me, just the evolution of jujitsu has been. It's been great um, to see, you know, what's going on. Um, once again, I'm I'm still, you know, I'm still a very like my jujitsu is very fundamentally based. Um, the most fancy guard I play is half, you know, half butterfly, right? Mm -hmm. um, one, one, I'm, you know, my knees and hips and backs are all banged up from from service, so I can't do a whole lot of the other stuff. Um, but also, you know, it, that's just where I feel comfortable at because, um, you know, old school butterfly guard is something that I really focused on for many years. So, mm -hmm. and it's not to, not to knock any of the, any of the newer stuff. I think it's great. I watch it and, you know, I try to, try to understand it. So that way, if a lower belt asks me about it, at least I have some understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but man, it's just. It's just progressed so crazy. So yeah, because I I mean because I remember you know like you said the uh, the first you know Gracie in the UFC and then it's like you learn about this thing called jujitsu and it's like what the hell what the heck is this like it just looks like two guys you know you know just rolling around on the ground to like now where it's almost I guess you would say it's almost mainstream because it's being incorporated in almost everyday life now like everybody's you know everyone's training like you know changing their you know combat you know combat structure to you know, incorporate more jujitsu and you know obviously you're seeing like you know it's starting to become uh mainstream mainstream in sports especially in, like uh one championship they'll have their you know you their uh combat grappling and whatnot so it's amazing to see it is like you can tell like it's it's going to go places that we probably would have never thought of once when we first started doing jujitsu. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy just to see it, you know, ADCCs one, mm -hmm. you know, just to just to see it proliferated at such a high level and seeing, you know, jujitsu artists finally being able to get paid instead of, you know, like the only way I can make jujitsu is to open a school. Um to see right. people making great money off of it. So, yeah, it's changed so much. Very, very much so. Very, very much so. So, um, what was I about to ask? Uh, so, do you? So, do you? Like, do you teach, or are you just? You know, you just just enjoy training. Um, I, I mean, I've met a couple of black belts that don't that don't teach. They just you know they just you know train. So, I was just curious. 
Um, so I I generally do not do not teach. Um, mm. I generally just fall in on training and you know provide tips and stuff like that. But you know, in the event that one of the you know one of the head instructors, uh, whether Saad or Sway, isn't able to be you know get in, then you know I'm more than happy to jump in and you know show you know showcase my you know my variations of you know jujitsu techniques. Gotcha. And um, I guess how have have you noticed how much that helped you personally in your own journey, like jujitsu journey, when you have to sit down and like teach a class? Yeah. So the crazy thing about being, you know, it, about no about the crazy thing about instructing is or teaching a class is, is that like I used to teach a kid's class for two years. Right. And mm -hmm. what ends up happening is is because you're in that role, it actually forces you to become, you know, focused on the details of the technique. Yeah. When you're teaching a kid's class, you give them the overarching technique and then you, you know, you let them figure it out on their own. And then when they say, hey, I'm having a problem, you say, hey, well, you know, you got to move your butt just a little bit more to the side. You know, um, when mm -hmm. you're teaching adults, you can give very, very detailed techniques, right? Like I need you to move your butt three quarters of an inch to the left, right hand, you know, right wrist needs to be at a 75 degree angle, you know, stuff, not that detailed, but it's like, yeah, you know, okay. give them, you know very detailed things and their, their brain's mm -hmm. able to process it. Um, with kids, you have to, you know, give them the over overarching technique and then, then incorporate the, the details and let them figure it out on their own. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, I feel, I you know, I feel personally like um, teaching, especially kids class, because I, I do run our kids class a lot, and it, yeah, because you do have to break it down to like the most simplest form when it comes to like just the basic of you know moving on the ground, or if you're trying to work a technique, you have to be able to explain it. But I've started to notice that the more I explain it to the kids the more it makes sense to me too. Cause like, dang, I ain't never think about it to make it that simple. And it's like, oh, all right, well, here we go. Yeah, it, 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 it really do be like that. Um, I think it was, I think I had heard Carlos, Carlos Machado said, if you can't teach a technique in three to four steps, like especially to kids, it's gone. It's past them. It's gone. It's yeah. gone. And what I found is, is like, as soon as I started breaking it down into bite-sized little morsels, the more creative they became. Mm -hmm. And I actually stole a scissor sweep variation for one of the kids. Um, because I, you know, I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do the scissor sweep, but I'm gonna set it up by doing something else. And then else, and then I'm gonna get the scissor sweep. No, this look, this little young lady went straight for, you know, lasso guard. And then as soon as they, you know, they pulled their, uh, they pulled their arm out of her lasso grip. She would scissor sweep them off that. And I was like, I'm stealing that. <laughs> it's mine. It's mine now. <laughs> telling you, man. Oh, yeah. Because my daughter did that. Like, uh, when, when, she, when she started, you know, we were going over takedowns. Mm -hmm. And we went over, you know, single leg, double leg, um, Osotogari, and whatnot. And she kind of had trouble with all those. 
she saw me rip um, a drop Serenagi one time with another uh, with one of our training partners, and that's been her best throw. I was like, out of all throws, you learn drop Serenagi the quickest. Hey, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> so our honestly, Seo Nagi drop Seo is probably one of the easiest for them because they know that mm-hmm. as soon as they hit the ground, like the person's going over. Um, right. Super Fortis is really one of the things that keeps me at, you know, that, you know, that enticed me about joining Super Fortis and then staying there is the fact that, you know, we've got a really good judo program. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our, our head instructor side, he's not a judo guy, but his wife, she's a black belt in judo. Um, <clears throat> and then we have the, the Wright family, which is Arthur, Chantel, Liam, Kyle, Liam and Kyle Wright. And those guys travel internationally to compete. You know, so you've got, you know, really good, really good judo um, practitioners that are there to work alongside you. Um, so our all of our programs are incorporated, have judo incorporated into it. Um, and what I found with the kids' classes is yeah, we could teach Osotogari, we could teach Ukigoshi, we could teach all these other stuff that's required for them to belt up in judo. But as soon as you show them how to do, you know, a drop sayonagi, that's the first thing they're throwing in competition. Like for whatever reason, mm-hmm. the last competition that I attended with them, that was probably like 60% of the throws. That no Sotogari. Like Yeah. Yeah. That was it. I think the main thing I saw at the last tournament was just um uh, uh, it was a one kid had a very unique entry to a uh, leg pick for a single leg, which was like I was like, okay, that's being recorded. Um, and <laughs> stealing that, was, yeah, I was like, yep, yeah, because I was recording on my uh, my camera. I was like, oh yeah, that's 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 going in the highlights right there. That's that's going in the toolbox. And um, what else was it? Uh. Yeah, so yeah, Sotogari was like the main two that I saw. I think maybe one or two kids hit hit a drop Serenagi. But yeah, other than that, yeah. Just you know, just the basics, just the basics. So yeah, for sure. it's it's honestly it's so fun watching the kids. It's so fun watching kid competitions. Yeah. It's like it, it's so it's so random, but it's so entertaining. <laughs> yeah, so and as a coach, you know, like I actually, you know, I would get more nervous about the kids competing than they would. They'd be there stoic, like ready to go. And I'm like pacing. I'm like keeping my feet moving. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm about to compete. And, you know, the kids are ready to go. They're locked in. And I'm like, I just yeah. want the kids to do well. I know, right? Because it was, it was one girl. She was just adorable. First, her first ever, uh, her first ever tournament, and you can tell, like you can tell when a kid, like they can, like they continuously rep stuff in, uh, in class for stuff, and like every time, like she stand, like she would, they would, they would, you know, stand up, and she would go for her throw. She would go for this setup for her throw. If she does not get it, she was like, she would break apart, like break off, reset, and go right back to it. And it's just like the intensity in her face was like, oh, she, <laughs> it's just, oh, she's gonna get this throw. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get this throw. Uh, the la- like I said, the gonna last, this throw. I'm gonna get this. The last competition I went to, uh, Professor Sway, her grandson competed 
there and like you know locked up with the kid throws a soda guard right they hit the ground the kid scrambles out stands back up he gets a hold of him, Caleb gets a hold of him, throws him again with the sword of guarding. And now Caleb's like falling in love with it because he's like, I can throw this kid and win. So he like, <laughs> you know, the kid, you know, bridges and shrimps to get out from side control. Caleb stands up right away. Osotogari. He won on points throwing Osotogari five times on this kid. And I was, I was just like, I'm not even mad. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even mad. And you know, I didn't coach the kid. I didn't coach Caleb for that sway day because you know this is a grandbaby, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I was outside in the in the concession area, and like the kid came out, and you know, Dad was talking. You know, blah blah blah. blah. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, your son did really well. He's like, No man. He's like, That kid was purposely just letting my son get up and just just so he could throw him right down. I was like, It'd be like that, bro. It'd be, It'd like, be like that. that. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know, man. It'd be like that. But <laughs> It'd yeah, be like Caleb, that sometimes. Yeah, Caleb threw that kid around for a minute. And I was just like, yo, I'm not even mad. Like, you going home with double gold medals because of that one. Good job. <laughs> he said, oh, you trying to escape? Come on, get on up. Get on up. Fire out. That's what I'm No, no, I'm going to put you back down. And th- these weren't like, like nice little, like, like, you know, like, you know, break, you know, good Kazushi, step pass, block the leg and push them down. No, these are like full on like Kazushi and step at the same time, trail leg, chops, and you're seeing like little feet flying through the air. And you're like, yeah, yo, <laughs> Kayla's really trying to take that kid out. Yeah. Because like when I was, you know, when we was, I was teaching her to uh, drop Serenagi, she would always like when she would go for it, by the time she hits her knee, she would let go. And she was like, you know, they keep falling on me. I said, you have to, I was like, when you grab the arm, hug it to your chest, like it's your little sister. So she was like, okay. And next thing you know, she went for it. And this kid just said, yeah. I was like, yep, there we go. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, one of the things I used to, I one of the, the ways that I taught the kids how to, because how we do Sayonagi is we don't, you know, when we pull, we don't grab with our hand. What we do is we end up biting it with our bicep, right? Ah, okay. And what that does is by biting it with the bicep, we're flexing on them, right? Mm-hmm. So I would teach you just like this. I would go, hey, what time is it? It's throw time to say, hey, I'm breaking balance. We want to mm-hmm. throw them. What are we going to do? We're going to flex on them. Flex on them. Right? And then I would teach them to as they're dropping down not to drop directly down but to spin and drop and that prevents them mm-hmm. their opponent from falling directly on them it actually mm-hmm. creates like this little hurricane like throw so yep twist turn drop your forehead to the mat and the rest is history yes sir yeah, yeah she and like i said she loves it all so, right, Chris. So uh, we got a, you know, we have a little thing here on uh, Talk Your Just podcast. Uh, your top three uh, people you would like to roll with. Um, let's see, top three. For real, for real, for real, for real, for real, for real. Like if you can set it up right now, they called you and said, "Hey, we got you got a chance to have a match with these three people." Who would, who would they be? 
Oh, that's easy. I know I'm going to get smoked, but just to be able to say, like, I got a chance to roll with him, I'm good with it, right? Let's go with the king, Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan. Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to roll with Gordon sometime. Like, and it's it's not anything of, like, I'm trying to win or anything. No, I'm really coming in there because I want to learn it, right? Yeah. I want to I see, you know, what he's doing because um, I can't afford <clears throat> his uh, his BJJ Fanatic instructionals. None of them. <laughs> None of them. <laughs> I know. I know. If I roll with him for you know for five to ten minutes, I can pick something up. At least one or two things. Can and like, can I record this? That's all I need. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Just don't smoke me in like two seconds. Give me something to take for home. For real. Um. <clears throat> let's see. Um. I'd really like to roll with, um, I want to say Zanji, Zanji Hibiero. So he's an hour and a half north. Um, and I would love to be able to go up there sometime and visit him because he's a judo black belt. He's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, great instructor, great competitor. I would love to go up there and, you know, just roll with him sometime. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, and this, the last one is actually something that I'm actually planning is uh, I plan on going to, once again, this is an Austin gym, which is an hour and a half away, um, which is uh, uh, Gracie Humaita up in North Austin. Um, and that's to get a chance to roll with uh, uh, Tim Kennedy. So um, nice. I've had some, you know, because of my military service, I, I've had a chance to cross paths with Tim a few times um, and, you know, never got a chance to, you know, train with him. But I, I think, you know, just to see, like, how intense he would be, you know, mm. because of, you know, just naturally, who you know, who he is as a person, um, just to see, like, you know, he seems like a really nice guy, cool, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, as soon as you try to sweep him, like, he's just going to rip your head off. I, you know, I just want to see that. Like. It's over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, unless you got some questions for me, man, you know, I want you to, you know, if you got... If, if you got anything you're working on or anything you got upcoming, you know, definitely shout out your school, man. You know, the floor is all yours. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I do. Absolutely. Um, one, I'm always going to shout out um, Pedro Sauer. He's where I started my jujitsu. A lot of my jujitsu is still based off of the things that, you know, I spent my first three years in um, in training with him. Um, Master Luis Pajares, you know, he came down and, you know, he's the one who, promoted me to black belt. He's been such a great mentor since I've been at the team. Saad and Sway Alaziz, um, the, you know, owners and head instructors of Semper Force Jiu-Jitsu, I'm super thankful that they've created a gym with a type of environment where, you know, an average person can come in and, Mm -hmm. you know, get some good training in and not feel like they're, you know, they're the nail every day. Um, so they've really created such a great environment, a great gym. Um, and, you know, I'm forever thankful to them. Uh, let's see. Who else? Shout out to God for giving me the ability to understand jujitsu because Lord knows I'm stupid some days. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> and then my my last one is actually um, the We Defy Foundation. I'm actually a, a We Defy Foundation ambassador. And for people okay. who don't know what We Defy is, and never been exposed to it. Um, they are an organization. They're a charitable, 
you know, file, they're a charitable organization that provides combat veterans coping with military connected disabilities um, and long-term means to overcome their challenges through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and fitness training. Um, so they literally pump, you know, they literally go out and, you know, they're finding combat, you know, injured veterans and they're trying their best to get them healed from their injuries and disabilities through the use of Jiu-Jitsu and fitness. Um, and I, as an ambassador, I got involved with it just because for me, Jiu-Jitsu, I got PTSD and I'm not even gonna lie about it. For mm -hmm. me, Jiu-Jitsu is part of my treatment plan. Um, mm -hmm. PTSD is, you know, is has, mine has, you know, issues with anxiety, mm -hmm. right? And because it's part of my treatment plan, one of the reasons why it's part of my treatment plan is because Jiu-Jitsu teaches you to live in that stressful moment forces you to yeah. be right there the entire time and, and learn think of it you can't mm -hmm. get away from it you can't do nothing you've got to deal with it and jujitsu's you know helps so much with with my ptsd um and i volunteered to become an ambassador because i want to help every veteran that i possibly can um you know if they're going through something and they think you want to try jujitsu, reach out to the We to Five Foundation, um, and they'll do their best to help you out. Um, if you guys are looking to, you know, to provide a charitable donation, you guys can, uh, you know, visit their website. It's uh, We to Five Foundation org. Um, it'll be very helpful to our veteran community. Definitely, man. Definitely, because um, I, you know, I I wasn't in the armed forces or anything, but I do you know, uh, commend everyone for their service. So, you know, ex extending that to you as well. But <clears throat> I was speaking from experience about, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression. And I, if it wasn't for jujitsu, man, whew. <laughs> that's, that's all I can know. say is like, if it wasn't for jujitsu, man, it's, yeah, it's, it was rough, rough. But yeah, yeah so I will definitely, like um, you know, get some more information on that, man. I'll, you know, uh, post that as well because that's an awesome, awesome thing that you're doing. Uh, awesome thing that they're doing, and I am a big advocate of getting jujitsu and in and fitness and gym in everyone's life. So, yeah, definitely gonna uh, definitely shout that out, man. Definitely. Bet. Bet. All right, all right, man. And that's the end of today's episode. I would love to thank Chris one more time for coming on the show, uh, showing his uh, jujitsu uh, wealth of knowledge. I hope you guys learned and took something from that. Please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube page to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. <laughs>